you, Father, for the precious body of the Lord Jesus. His body was broken. His body was crushed. His body was beaten that our body may be whole and strong. And Father, we appropriate that promise here this morning. We call our bodies healthy and strong in service to you all the day long in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. it says, After this he took the cup, and when he'd supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So at this time we invite you to partake of the juice. Father, we could never praise you enough. We could never thank you enough for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we receive all the blessings and benefits of that blood. That Father, our sins are washed away. We're made righteous and we are protected of the evil one. And Father, we fulfill our days in service to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. At this time, we invite you to pass your communion cups into the center aisle. And our ushers will be by to pick them up shortly. And while the ushers are uh, taking care of the communion cups, uh, we do have some family news, a family announcement. We have a wedding coming. Yay, yay, yay. Kirk Gugino and Lynn Klein will be getting married on Sunday, January 1st, starting a new year right at the end of our regular service. And so I think this is a first for us, but actually in World Harvest Church, they're saying no, so I must have done it before someone did. <laughs> and so at World Harvest Church, uh, where my pastors gathered, that's how they do their weddings. It's, it's part of the Sunday morning service. And so uh, Kirk and Amy, I mean Kirk and Lynn, will be uh, gathering together uh, and being married uh, right after the Sunday morning service. And guess what? You're all invited. And there will be a, uh, of course, that is the first Sunday after, uh, you know, the first Sunday of the month. And so we'll have a time of fellowship downstairs. So we congratulate you. And we, we we're, thank God for the both of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the power of words, or the power of our words. And we've taken as a golden text, Proverbs 18.21, where it says this, Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And so here it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue or in the power of the words that we speak. And notice the power of death or life. Or we could say it this way, blessing or cursing. How does blessing and cursing come? Well, according to this verse, it's through the words that we speak. Whenever we teach on this, I always like to draw attention to what it doesn't say. It does not say that death and life 
are in the power and the hand or will of God. And a lot of times folks have looked at situations and circumstances and just kind of, well, whatever God's will will be, let it be, or why is God doing this to me? Why aren't things working out? I prayed, but it didn't say that these these things are done uh, in the hand of God and will of God, but by the words of our mouth, that uh, our words have a lot to say concerning our life and our circumstances. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, or the words that we speak. Now, uh, one thing that just keeps coming up over and over as we were teaching this, is the second part of the phrase, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, it could have said something else after that verse, but it says they that love it. And um, I looked that uh, term up, love it, because I was wondering, what does it mean to love it? Uh, Other translations uh, say they that indulge in it. And I understand indulging, maybe you do, you know, it's that you have that piece of... uh, maybe a whole carrot cake or a piece of pie, you know, you, you can nibble at it. And, you know, you know so there are nibblers. But that, that is an indulging. You know, indulging is, well, yeah, I'll have a piece. Man, that was good. You know, it just was enough, and I'll have another piece. And just and before you know it, that whole thing is gone. You just didn't nibble at it. You indulged. I mean, you went after it over and over and over again. And this is what the Word is saying is that they that love it. The more you indulge in words, the more you say something, the more you will see something. And so notice that for this to work, it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just something that, yeah, now what did pastor say? Oh yeah, I, I live long, what, healthy and strong, uh, you know, and just say it maybe once or twice or once a week, that isn't indulging in it. <laughs> you know, that's nibbling at it and that ain't going to satisfy you. That, you ain't going to see the fruit of it, but they that love it shall eat. And that's the idea here is, Eating your words, eating the fruit of your words, seeing what you say come to pass. How do you see uh, what you say? You've got to indulge. You've got to do it over and over and over and over again. And then you'll see it. The more you indulge it, the more you'll, you'll see it in your life. And I don't know about you, but at the start of the series, I, I, I've realized when it comes to confession, I've been nibbling at it. You know, I, we've all know about a good confession that we ought to say what the Word says. The Bible says, hold fast confession of your faith. And there's certain things I say. You've heard me say I live long, healthy, and strong. Uh, I grow richer and richer and wiser and wiser. Things that are based in the Word. Things that I want in my life. And then, you know, I get up in the morning, and you know what I do as I nibble at those things? I nibble at it here. Then maybe if I think it later on in the day, I might nibble at it. But that's not indulging in it. And, you know, the more I want to see something in my life, the more I've got to say it. The more I've got to indulge in it. The more I I really need to pig out on it. (laughs) Just, yeah. And just say, the Word says this, bless God, and I will not be satisfied in my life until I see it all come to pass. Well, I've been struggling and struggling and struggling. What will change that? Change that by the power of your words. Begin to say, I have victory. He always causes me to triumph. Maybe you're weak in body. The Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. Now, you can't nibble at that. Well, yeah, I'm strong. 
I'm strong, get up, I'm strong, and, you know, and, oh, yeah, aches and pains, and it's so hard getting old. I'd rather cuss to say that. I would rather cuss to make fun of getting old, and you know how it is, you know, body don't work as it used to. Well, of course, you know, I could say some very hard things right now, but that's just simply ignorance. It's said of Moses when he was a tw- 120 years old that his eyes did not wax dim. His natural force abated not. You see Joshua and Caleb. Caleb says, I am this day 85 years old. Most Christians never make it to 85 years old. When, when he was 85 years old, he says, I have the strength of a 40-year-old. I can go out to war. I can do anything that these young whippersnappers can do. Why? He saturated himself with faith. He spoke words all his life and says, give me this mountain. And he ate the fruit thereof. It showed up in his life. The more you eat it, the more you indulge in it, the more you have it. So let, let, let's quit the nibbling business. You know, just kind of pick at it. Pick your, I mean, let's feast on it. Let, let's enjoy the fruits of our mouth. Let, let us be satisfied by what we say. Now, folks have said, well, this, this is in the Old Testament. Does it apply in the New Testament? I'm glad you asked that. In Matthew 16, 19. 16, 19. And Jesus said, I will give. Of course, he is saying this before his death, burial, and resurrection. So after his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, we, we could say, I have given thee. I have given thee uh, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now notice this. Who does the binding and who does the loosing? You do. Jesus gave you the keys. And again, a lot of times we're working, God, God, do something about this. God, bind this. God, loose this. God, change this. But uh, Jesus said, I- I've given you the keys. You-, you-, you got to turn the keys. How do you turn the keys? Well, it says through binding and loosing. That word bind means to forbid. That word loose means to permit or to allow. And how do you, how do you bind? How do you loose? Through the words of your mouth. You say something. I forbid this in Jesus' name. I allow this. I speak the word. I speak health. I speak healing. I speak strength. Whatever you need, use the power of words to, to either loose or, or bind it. And, and notice heaven will back you up. Heaven simply backs up what you say. Again, death and life. You speak death all the time. You speak despair. You speak about how it's so hard getting old, how everything goes wrong. You know, heaven will just just back you up. Well, if that's what you want, that's what you will, that's what you're going to loose in your life, uh, then so be it. But blessed be God, we have the keys. And I don't know about you, I, I want to navigate my life. I, I want to, to speak words of blessing health and life and so I want to permit the goodness and the grace of God I want to break the power of the enemy anything that does hinder and deter me from victory I will bind that in Jesus name again notice through our words it's the words that we speak and so it's so important and you know when we say nothing we have nothing 
And, and really, when we say nothing in a circumstance, you know what we're doing? We're simply permitting that circumstance. You know, if we, if we, we get a, just say a headache and we say nothing, that means we permit that headache. You know, or if we say, oh my God, I'm getting a headache. Oh, my head hurts, my head hurts. That may be true, but that isn't going to change your circumstance. That, that is just simply fortifying what is. And so you need to call those things that be not as though they were, uh, were, were and begin to say, I have health, I have healing, I have strength. No, I don't get headaches. Amen. You know, Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen would say this, I haven't had a headache in, in 50 years. Well, and some people say, well, that, I'd never say that. Well, they never will have that. You have what you say. And then every so often you said something and would jump on him and his head would start to hurt. And you know what he'd say? No, you don't. I don't get headaches. And the headache would leave. His words. His words. And so you have to understand that you have the keys. A lot of times things come, you know, um, sickness, uh, illness, you feel feverish, you feel, you know, aching, pain, and most Christians just acquiesce, just permit that, and says, well, I guess, guess I got the flu, I guess I got this, and uh, they, they, they permit that, or they say nothing and just allow the natural course of things. Well, blessed be God, what you need to do is, is indulge in the words of life, say, no, you don't, I, I don't get the flu, I don't get sick. And all of a sudden you feel worse and worse and you begin to say, no, you don't, devil. You can't touch me. No evil befalls me. No plague comes down my dwelling. You can't touch me. You know, someone ought to write a movie where somebody, when some evil thing is coming to attack you and your friends, you shall not pass. Now, some of you are ignorant of that. How many know what I'm talking about? All right. And see, that's what you need to do to the devil. That's what you need to do with symptoms and disease and lack. And so, the power of words, our words, we have what we say. Not only that, again, a little bit of review, but with our review, we always add to it. In Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, again, the words of Jesus. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Jesus here says what he means and means what he says. There, there is no mistake in the words of Jesus. There's no filler. There's no place in the word where Jesus, when we get to heaven, oh, you know what? I really didn't mean that. I was having a bad day. I didn't have my Starbucks yet, and that just kind of slipped out of my mouth. I didn't mean to say it. No, Jesus means this. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And so when Jesus said this, that means it, it is a fact. And he said that every idle word that we speak shall be, we give account in the day of judgment. Of course, that's talking about when we stand before Him in the Bema seat. The Bible teaches all of us will stand before the Lord and give account. Now, we understand that we'll give account of our works. Uh, we, we see this all through the Bible. We see this in the book of Revelation where Jesus uh, spoke to churches, I know your works. And He judges us on our works and we know that. That's why we want to be busy. That's why every day we want to do something for the Lord. That way when we stand before Him, we have a lot of good works for Him to reward. But here, not only will He reward us and 
you know, judge us based on our works. Here we understand that he will judge us according to our words. And he said this, every idle word, every word that you say out of your mouth that doesn't do something that you're going to answer me for. So that tells us the power of words. That in the day of judgment that we're going to give account of how we use our words. And I, I find it very interesting that Jesus said every idle word. Now we know what idle is. It means inactive, non-producing, non-working word. The Amplified Bible says this, inoperative, non-working words that we will give an account. So Jesus fully expects us to be good stewards of our words. Just like the parable of the talents where he gave one man five talents, another two, another one. And they were to, to use those talents and increase those talents and produce with those talents. And the five, uh, the five talent man came before his Lord and said, you gave me five talents and I've, I've gained five more. And he said, you good and faithful servant. You are faithful with that which is little. I'll promote you over much. Notice he was a good steward of what was given him. The two talented men did the same. But the one talented man was inactive. He was in idle. He was uh, idle concerning his, his talent. He didn't do anything with it. And he didn't get a very good report. And so in the same way with our words... I don't know about you, but I, I want to be like a five-talented man. When I stand before him, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, we know we, we can do that with our works, but we can do that with our words. You know, we glorify God when we use our words. We glorify God when we say good confessions and when we speak life over situations. That uh, we're, we're, we're just being good stewards uh, of the wealth of the grace of God in our life. And so we will give account. And notice again, Jesus said in verse 37, for thy words thou shalt be justified, and thy words thou shalt be condemned. Again, the power of words. Justified, condemned, our courtroom words. Justified means ruled in your favor. You know, things go your way. Ruled in your favor that you're set free. Condemned means uh, things are ruled against you. You, you are incarcerated. You, you, you are condemned. And so how? By our words. Again, life. By the words you speak. Whether you have victory or whether you have defeat, come through the power of your words by the words you speak. And in the book of James, again, review, but we always build on review. The book of James chapter 3 and verse 2, it says this, For in many things... We offend all. But if any offend not in word, again, we're talking about the power of words. The same as a perfect or mature man able to bridle his whole body. And so here it says a mature man, a mature Christian, is one that uses his words correctly. And if he can use his words correctly, notice what it says, can bridle uh, his whole body, can tell his body which way to go. Again, uh, through the words of mouth, we can take a body that is sickly and make it healthy. A body that is weak and stir it into strength. A body that is oppressed and could be set free. How a mature man understands the power of words. Bridle his body in the way it should go. And he gives two examples of verse number one uh, and verse three. 
He says, behold, look at this. This is what I mean. We put bits in the horse's mouth. And so bit and bridle will, you put bit and bridle, you can get the horse to go in any direction that you want. In the same way, when we speak right words, we can get our body to respond to our words. But this is the one I really like in verse 4. Behold also the ships, though they be so great and driven of fierce winds. So here's a big ship and there's a bad storm. And a lot of times we, we think that when the storms of life come, that we got to be tossed with the waves, we got to be turned over by the wind, that we are subject to everything that storm brings us. But here it says that even though um, the, the winds, the storm is so great, that they are turned about with a very small helm or a, a rudder. A very small rudder can turn that whole ship. No matter which way the waves are going, no matter which way the winds are going, that you can steer that ship in any harbor, any destination that you choose. So that's what he's talking about. So are our words. You know, we all face the storms of life. We all have the winds beating against us and the waves that are contrary. But the most important thing in a storm is what you say out of your mouth. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose shall be loose. Again, you say the wrong things. Oh my God. Oh my God. The storm is so big. The bar is so strong. Oh my God. I don't think I'm going to make it. I feel so weak. I feel so overcome. Well, you're just going to be tossed to and fro by that storm. That's how most people live. Not Christians. Christians shouldn't live that way. But most people live that way. But we ought to, our, our tongue is a rudder. That no matter what storms come, physical, financial, family situations, you need to hold fast your confession. Where do you want to go in that storm? Well, I may be feeling weak and sickly, then I'm going to speak health. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my hand on the steering wheel. No matter how much it beats against it, I'm going to hold fast my confession. Maybe you're facing a financial situation. Then you start speaking supply. My God supplies. Then all of a sudden a bill hits you. And you begin to teeter and totter. No, blessed be God. God causes all grace to abound towards me. Again, the power of words. Now we left off in Mark 11. That the most important things. One of the most important things Jesus said about words. The power of our words. In Mark 11, and let's start with verse 22. And Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Of course, we, we know this. This happened after Jesus cursed the fig tree. He spoke words to it. The next day, the, the tree was withered up and the disciples were amazed. And they said, Jesus, look what you did to this tree. And Jesus told them, gave them the answer, this was done by the faith, by faith in God, or we saw this, the faith of God, or how God has faith. And then Jesus said this in verse 23, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. 
And so, again, Jesus is telling us the power of words. Jesus said to his disciples, you know what I did with the fig tree? That was done by the faith of God. And if he would just stop there, we would have just basked at the wonders of God, the wonders of Jesus. said, look what you did, Master. And uh, Jesus would want like this. Now, don't try this at home. I learned this in divinity school. Only God the Father, me the Son, the Holy Ghost, maybe a few angels can do this, but don't, you'd hurt yourself trying to do this. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, you know, what I did with the fig tree was done by the faith of God. And he turns to disciples, he turns to us and he says, verily I say unto you. So he tells us what we can do with the faith of God. <clears throat> with the faith of God. Now, I love that word verily. That word verily is in the Greek, the word amen. And when God uses, when Jesus, who is the Son of God, uses the word amen or verily, that is a decree, that is a guarantee. So I, I, I firmly believe that Jesus went like this and he swore to them. He said, verily. I, you know, he's sworn to them. This is absolutely a guarantee. I say unto you, I swear unto you that whosoever. And I love that word, whosoever. And again, I looked that word up in the Greek. I looked in other translations. I have over 200 translations, close to 300 translations of, of the Bible. And you know what that word means? It means whosoever. It means you. It means I. And so, again, Jesus means what he says and says what he means. And so what he said, whosoever shall say into this mountain, he's talking to you and I. What I did to this fig tree, you can do to the circumstances in your life. And he says, whoever shall say unto this mountain. And this is a key, brothers and sisters. Remember, like the ship tossed to and fro, he has to keep his confession straight. No matter what is going on, no matter what the storm is saying, no matter what thing has happened, he holds fast his confession. Here, Jesus said that you need to say unto your mountain. You need to speak to your mountain. And he doesn't just leave it there, but he tells us what we need to say. Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. You know what that is? That is binding and loosing. And so Jesus, and just to take that whole premise there, here's a mountain. Now the mountain represents an obstacle, a circumstance, a situation that stands between you and victory. That, that thing that shouldn't be there. It could be physical, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be a family situation, a financial situation. We, there are so many different kinds of mountains. And uh, Jesus said you need to speak to that mountain. Now, number one, he didn't say talk to God about the mountain. He didn't say, God, you do something about the mountain. No. Too many people are, are, are looking to God to do something. God is looking for you to do something. How? Through the words of your mouth. Remember, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. I simply back up what you say. And so we're not to ask God to remove our mountains, to change our circumstances. He tells us that we are to speak to them. Now, too often people are talking about their mountains and not talking to their mountains. Now, 
What do you mean talking about the mountains? They, oh, that mountain's so big. That mountain's so grand. And they, they call their friends. They post on Facebook. This is what I'm going through. Look at my mountain. Look at my mountain. And so when you talk about the mountain, guess what? The mountain's still going to be there. And it'll be there for the rest of your life. Jesus didn't say talk about your mountains. He said speak to your mountain. What are you to speak? Be thou removed. Do you have some things you need to be removed in your life? Debt, sickness, disease, weakness, situations. What are you to do? You're to speak to that mountain and tell that mountain, be thou removed. You know what that is? I forbid that mountain. Mountain, you get out of my way. You're, You're not allowed in my life, mountain. You need to speak. Now, they that love it, shall eat the fruits. You just speak that at mountain. How long do you speak? Till that thing's gone. Well, you know, folks, I I said that about three times. You know, you didn't indulge in it. You nibbled at it. You nibbled at it. The Bible didn't say, uh, they that nibble at it shall eat the fruits thereof. They that indulge in it. And so we are to speak to the mountain, be thou removed. So some people speak about the mountain, but you also, but also you need to know this: if you say nothing to the mountain, guess what? Nothing will happen. Your words are your will. And so, if you say the wrong things, the mountain will be there. If you say nothing to the mountain, you know what you're telling the heaven, what you're telling the angels of God: it is my will that that mountain remain in my life. And, and we've all been there. We've all been there where we put up with stuff way too long. Way too long. Well, you know, I, I, I can let this slide. I'll use my faith on something else. And that thing is just there. It may be an ache and a pain. It may be a financial, maybe a family. We just kind of put up with it. Put up with it. Put up with it. As long as you put up with it, you are permitting it. And so is that what you want? No, blessed be God, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. You tell that mountain, you got to speak. They that love it shall eat the fruits thereof. And so um, Genesis 1, 1, again, review, but we're adding to this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, the power of our words that we have to speak to our mountains. Because if we don't say anything, we are permitting that mountain. And notice this, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth. In verse 2, and the earth was without form and void. Something happened in the earth. The earth found itself in this circumstance, situation that is not God's will. And the, word, the words form and void means judgment. Something bad happened on the earth. And darkness was on the face of the deep. But notice this, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Here the earth was in chaos. The earth was in darkness. The earth was in a condition that was not in the will of God. It was in a position, it it was in a situation that God did not create it to be. And the Spirit of God is there. And yet, it's still in darkness. It's still in chaos. And see, this is a picture of a Christian's life. 
The Bible says if we're born again, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. The Spirit of God that, that will quicken our mortal bodies. The same life-giving Spirit resides in us. Every one of us is believers. And yet, we're in darkness. We're in sickness. We're, we're in lack. We're, we're in horrible situations. And yet, we have the Spirit of God in the inside of us. Just having the Spirit of God in the inside of you doesn't give you victory. You, you can remain in darkness the rest of your life, being a born-again Christian and even filled with the Spirit. And notice the earth did not change, even though God was there, did not change until what? God said. And notice, notice what God said. God didn't say, oh my God, what happened? What happened here? What'd you do with the earth I gave you? Gabriel, come over here. Michael, come over here. Look at this mess. What am I going to do with you? Yeah. Oh, I got to pause. Some parents say the wrong things over their children. What's wrong with you? I taught you better than that. And if you... Say those words. You enforce those words. You curse your children. You're an idiot. You can't do anything right. You take after your mother. <laughs> no, you need to say you take after your father, which is in heaven. Yeah. You're to call those things that be not as though they were. You know, and I'm pausing because I mean, we're taking your business. You know, in the marriage, the idiot that I married, you always do this. You always do that. You always hurt me. You, he's this. He's that. She's this. She's not that. Jesus said, "You'll have what you say." And you know, the more you say negative things, the more you're going to have negative things. And then you pray to God and you bellow at God, God, my husband's such an idiot. I don't change my husband. He can't. Because there's an idiot living with him. <laughs> who's saying idiotic things. Now God wouldn't say that. You know, Paul said that. You know, it says it's the Lord didn't say it, but he gave me permission to say it. <laughs> I don't know if he gave me permission to say that, but it did wake some people up. Yeah. Yeah, my boss is so, you know, I, I didn't want to keep using the word idiot, but idiot seems to fit. People use that a lot. You know, it's so hard at work and, and this and that. They are cursing everything and everyone around them. And, and, and your prayers will not work as long as you are cursing your life, your situation, your body. Oh, I, I want to get back to my message. Do not curse your body. Do not curse your age. Do not even make fun of your body as you age. I say, well, well yeah, I'm, I'm just having fun. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I've used this illustration. I'm using it. Why? I had to put on pause the Holy Ghost trying to help some folks. 
A 44 Magnum is a handgun. I mean, there's bigger handguns, but uh, if I were to shoot a 44 Magnum, all of us would would lose our hearing just for a bit. It's so loud, so powerful. You can stack people up and see how many people that bullet will go through. That's very powerful. I've shot one, and you just don't play around. It'll take your shoulder off. Not literally, but you can dislocate your shoulder if you don't handle it wisely. What if I had two 44 Magnums in my hand? And I say, hey, 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 hey. And, and you're going, hey, put that thing away. No, I'm only playing. I'm only having fun. You, you'd say, you're crazy. You don't play with something that powerful. Brothers and sisters, you don't play with your words. Death and life from the power of time. You, you never, never point that gun towards cursing and invoke something negative over anyone, no matter what they've done to you. The Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, but return evil with good. Every curse you receive, you return a blessing. Why? Because when you use your words correctly, God can turn that situation around, turn that person around by the words that you use. And so never, ever kid about your body. Kid about your, fine. Kid about your spouse. Learn to appreciate, learn to know that your, your, your words will bring life or death. And so you ought to say, I live long, healthy and strong, not sick a day in my life. I grow richer and richer, wiser and wiser. My, my children are peaceful. My children are blessed. You haven't seen my kids. Oh, take that record and play the other side. See, when, when you talk to your children and just speak as they are, what you're doing is this mountain over here. Look at that mountain. It's so big. It's so dark. I could never get them. You're, you're speaking up the mountain. You want that mountain removed. Maybe your, your kids are, are a little bit where they shouldn't be. You need to speak life. In the midst of the, midst of the storm, and they're jumping off the walls and driving you crazy, you say, peace, be still. My kids are taught, Lord, and great is the peace of my children. Well, they're not. <clears throat> great is the peace of my children. Well, you, no, shut up. <clears throat> Great is the peace of my children. Great, 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 great. You know, remember in school, they probably don't do this anymore because it might wound these precious little kids' souls. But when we did something wrong, of course, one corner, or we had to write something a hundred times, I. We had a certain gym teacher. We had to write it 1,000 times. Yeah. These poor little princesses couldn't handle it anymore. It hurt their delicate little souls. What am I saying? Some of you need to rewrite 1,000 times what you've been saying. You've been saying the wrong thing. And you need to say, no, I will speak life. I will speak health. I will speak strength. Over every wrong confession, you need to indulge with a good confession. You need, you're like this, you're heading towards that iceberg. You're heading towards it, and, and you get right in front of it, and you're ready to hit it. So, oh, I wanted to change. You've been saying the wrong things over and over and over again. 
And therefore, you're going to hit that. No matter amount of prayer will change it. You need to, blessed be God, start saying the life of God, the peace of God, whatever that situation. My kids are taught, Lord. My husband serves God. My husband's this. My wife's this. My job is this. My finances is this. And you say it over and over and over again. You indulge in it. Yeah. That's how you change it. Yeah. Can we get back to my message? Our words are our will. Now, I'm fixing to close. We, we, we saw through many scriptures the power of our words. But what I want to do real quick is have story time here this morning. We're going to have a story time. And we're going to see, does this really work? Can we have what we say? Can, can, can we remove mountains? Can we turn situations, impossible situations? Can they be turned by the words of our mouth? Well, let's quickly look at the account of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, 16. And we'll use the overhead screens just for the sake of time. And the Philistine, meaning Goliath, drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. You read 1 Samuel 17. Here is Goliath. He is between 9 and 11 feet tall, depending on what cubic stature they used during that time. If it was a shorter uh, cubit, because it said he was so many cubits high, he would have been at least 9 feet uh, 10 inches tall, right about there. But if it was the bigger cubic, he'd be over 11 feet tall. So anywhere between 9 and 11 feet tall. I'll tell you, 8 feet tall is a big giant. And so... For 40 days, he taunted the armies of Israel. Here is a giant. Here is a mountain. Here is an impossible situation. He was groomed to be a man of war. Imagine the guns on him. That, that means the muscles, the pecs, you know, the, you know, the flex on him. His, his spear was a the head of his spear was 125 pounds. Some of us would have to go like this and use our legs. This is what he threw at you. Trained in every known martial and combat art from his birth. He is a man of war. He is undefeated. And here he is taunting the children of Israel and saying, you choose a man to fight me? And if he beats me, we'll be your servants. But if I win, you're all going to be my servant. Our servants. I mean, that's an impossible situation. Nobody, unless you're 9 or 11 feet tall, could face this giant. It is an impossible situation. And so for 40 days, this is going on. Going on and on and on. Now, Notice how Israel responded. The armies of Israel responded to his threats. In verse 11, and when Saul, who was a king, and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Have you ever been afraid, dismayed? At a doctor's report? A financial report? An impossible situation. It looks so bleak. It looks so terrible. 
as long as they were afraid, as long as that giant remained, they're going to be tormented. And you have to understand, mountains don't remove by themselves. Mountains don't get moved by prayer. Mountains get removed when you speak to them and deal with them. And so Israel, oh, look at this guy, this mountain, this mountain, this giant, this giant. And this went on for 40 days. Now, in 1 Samuel 17, 23, David comes to visit his brothers who are in the army. And as he talked with them, and behold, there came up this champion, the Philistine of Gath, that's Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine, and spake according the same words, and David heard them. So 40 days has been going on. David hears this. And all the men of Israel, they were, when they saw him, they fled from him and were sore afraid. Again, when you run away from your mountains, the mountains remain. And the men of Israel said, what were they saying on the words? Have you seen this man that's come up? They were talking up the mountain. Surely defy Israel has come up and shall be the man who killeth him. The king will enrich him with great riches and give his daughter and his father's house shall be free in Israel. And no one took him up on that offer. No matter what the prize was, this this giant was so big, so intimidating, no one dared to fight him. They knew that they would lose. But David comes and hears these words. It's been going on for 40 days. Here Israel responds with fear and talks up the mountain. But notice what David says. He is going in the same test. He sees the same giant. In verse 26 and David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine? And take away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Israel was talking up the mountain. David was talking to the mountain. Israel was saying how big the mountain was. David was saying how big his God is. Israel is saying, look at the size of him. David says, he's so big I can't miss. It matters what you say to your circumstances. It matters what you say to your mountains. All right. He starts talking. says, yeah, we'll, we'll take him down. Well, I'll take him out. And those words get rehearsed before the king. So they bring David to the king. Again, story time. And verse 32 and David said to Saul, who was king, Let no man's heart fail because of him. I'll go out and I'll fight this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, You're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. So David was about 17 years old. He, puberty wasn't fully set in yet. He probably had a few hairs on his chin. You know, he probably wasn't fully developed. You know, he, he was a mama's boy. You know, all his brothers were, were men of war. Uh, his dad looked at him and said, nah, uh, you, you go, you be with the sheep. And so Saul looks at him and says, you're too small. You're too little. You, you, you can't do this. Have you ever had words like that spoke to you? I had so many people say I could never make it into ministry. You know, 
family, you know, friends, you know, and so forth. You can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. It doesn't matter what people say to you. It's a matter what you say about yourself and your circumstance. Don't be a victim of what other people have said to you. Yeah. You'll forever be a victim in your life. Forever. That mountain will be there. And David said to Saul, notice he didn't say, I guess you're right. I heard that one faith teaching from pastor, and I know it got him. I know that's excess. Yeah, you're right, Saul. No, David held fast confession. And David said, notice his words. Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of, the mouth, out of, out of his mouth. And he rose against me. I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seen is defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with thee. And notice the confession. Notice when people say, no, you can't do that. You don't have the education to be successful. Your parents this way. Uh, and you, you can't. You, you don't understand. It doesn't work that way. And all the negative things saying, saying over you, so many people fall victim to what other people say to them or have said to them. Notice David just kept saying, no, he's going down. He's going down. He's going down. When people discourage, no, he's going down. He's going down. This mountain's coming down. This giant's coming down. And he began to rehearse. You know, the Lord was faithful. He delivered me out of this. Whenever you're facing a testile, you start saying, look, remind the Lord, remind yourself, remind the devil what the Lord has already done for you. And this thing, he's, he delivered me in this situation. He turned this thing around. And this thing's coming down in Jesus' name. All right. So... David speaks these words in the camp. Now, this is where we separate the boys from the men and the girls. There's a lot of people that say a lot of things about their faith projects, why they're in church, why other Christians around them, they, they, they have this poise. Yes, I'm believing in God. Yes, I am believing, I am confessing, as long as other Christians and everything is warm and cozy and kumbaya, they, they'll say the right words. That alone won't get your giant slain. That alone won't remove your mountain. It's what you do in the midnight hour. It's what you do when there's no one to call, no one around, two in the morning, that thing is breathing down your neck. It matters what you say alone to that mountain, to that giant. You rely on no one to be with you, to be a giant killer, a mountain remover Christian. Yeah. Jesus overcame the devil in the wilderness and he was alone. He didn't get on the phone. He didn't have Facebook. Oh, pray with me to do this, do that. No, blessed be God to be a giant killer, to, to be a mountain remover. It's you alone and God. If God be for you, who can be against us? Me and God are the majority here. Yeah. 
see, you have to understand, to be afraid, dismayed, it means that you're not aware that God is for you. God before me, who can be against me? I, I don't mean to go long, but that's, I have what I say. <laughs> yes. In school, in school, I was wise enough that all my buddies were the big guys. I, I mean, their arms were the size of my legs. And that's who I ran with. You know, some people run with nerds and, and people like him. I, I ran with guys that, man, they, they could protect me. And I, I remember a situation, someone dared to grab me. And he found out who I ran with. He came up. I apologize. I will never, ever do that again. I didn't need to lay a finger on him. It's because who I was running with. Brothers and sisters, if God be for you, who can be against you? Who is that mountain? Who is that giant? Is he bigger? Is that situation bigger than God? Yeah. Doesn't matter. You don't need anyone around you. You don't need anyone to help you. God is my help. God is my strength. If God be for me, who can be against me? So David faces a giant after all of the good confessions in church and, and saying the right answers to everybody in church. He still has to face that giant alone. In verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even the script, and the sling was in his hand and drew near to the Philistine. See, most Christians would say, well, I said the good confession in church. It ought to be gone by now. You ought not to be moved whether it's there or not. You're going to finish this thing. It would be to his benefit to get out of my way right now. But if he's still there, that means I'm going to take him on. See, that's the attitude of a winner, a giant slayer. A giant slayer. And nothing intimidated by your adversaries. Philippians 1.28 says. And the Philistines came on, drew near to David, and the man that bare his shield went before him. And the Philistine looked and saw David, and it disdained him. He was but a youth, Rudy, and fair count. That means he was a little mama's boy that hasn't gone through puberty yet. And the Philistines said to David, Am I a dog? You come to me with your little stick? Are we going to play Barbie dolls, David? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls there and the beasts of the field. You know what most Christians would do? <laughs> I thought this confession. Why is this, this, this giant still here? Why is it my mom? I said it 14 times already. I was in church. I worshiped God. I was singing. I was praising. That means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Hypocrites do that. It's what you do when you're alone with your child. And you go like this, you roll up your sleeves, it's just me and you. God is on my side, who do you have on your side? And so many times when we said good confession and it's still there, it's 
not working. It's not working. It's not working. You have what you say. No, it is working. This is the moment you go down. Finally, face to face. I've been looking forward to this battle right here. You've been here too long. That's how you become a giant killer. A mountain remover. Yes, unmoved by the threats. Unmoved when it's getting worse when you've said your good confession. All right. Let's finish this story. Kids, you've been so gracious to put up with me. Verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine. Again, hold fast your confession. Notice again, no matter what the giant said, no matter how it didn't look like anything was changing, he kept saying, he kept saying. Again, after the threat, we're face to face. When it's gotten worse, he's come face to face with it. David says to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will smite thee. I will take your head from thee. I will give the carcass of the host of Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field, and all the earth shall know that there is God in Israel. Continue to speak. David spoke to his mountain. Very interesting. David spoke five things. He said, number one, I win. The Lord's given give me victory. I win, you lose. Number two, I am going to smite you. Three, not only am I going to smite you, I'm going to take your head off. Number three, not only am I going to take your head off, and gave your carcass to the fowls there in the beast field. I, I, I'm going to take out your army with them. Here is a 17-year-old little puberty boy against this mighty, massive fighting machine. It says, not only am I going to slay you, take your head off. I, I'm going to slay your whole army. Yeah. And the fifth thing he said, and God will be glorified. All the earth will know that there's a God in Israel. David said five things to his giant. Now, time is gone, and and I'm gone too long already. But if you read what happened, David got exactly what he said. David did smite him. It was impossible a situation because he had armor up all over his face, over his body. He put one stone. Um, Some commentators say this, that when, when... Goliath saw David with the uh, sling. He laughed. And like this, ha, 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 ha. And when he laughed, it just got enough crink in his armor for that stone to come in and hit him. So don't be moved when, you, when your adversary's laughing at you. That means this is it. This is where it comes in. All right. David smote him. David didn't even have a sword. So he, he had to get... Lift up Goliath, take his sword, and cut it off. Now, I would love to see that. I know some of the grocery out. It said that he took the head and put it in his tent. Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's gross. You hunters know this. I'm fixing the clothes. 
It's hunting season. You get that trophy buck. That, that trophy. What do you do? You take a set off and you put it on your wall. And every time you look at it, look what I got. Yeah. I'm not saying David had it taxidermy. And here's his big head. But it's the principle of the thing. We ought to have our shelves stacked. Stacked with, with sickness and disease. Icebergs we, we, we miss. Situations to run. Financial breakthroughs one after. How do we get them? Through our words. David got everything he said. It is a law. Blessing and cursing. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We get what we say. Let's not nibble at these things. We know them. Let's indulge. Let's not let go of our confession till that thing is dead before us. That mountain's removed before us. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the words we have heard. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for helping us and blessing us. Help us not just to nibble at these words. Not to be careless with our words, but to be skillful. Father, may each and every one of us walk in the light and the victory that you provide for us in Jesus' name. Real quick with heads bowed, eyes closed. I know that we're all home folk here, but maybe there, there is someone here and you're not born again or you're away from the Lord, especially those of you watching on live stream. We have quite a live stream audience if you're here or watching and you're not born again or your backslid need to rededicate your life, go ahead and raise your hand. I will look here and if you're watching on the internet, I can't see hand, but God can. Go ahead and raise your hand. It doesn't matter if I see it. It's most important the Lord sees it. We have no hands here, but if you're watching online, know this, that God's a good God. God sent a champion who delivered us from our sin. His name is Jesus. He is the Savior of all mankind. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, call on Him. How do you call on Him? Just, just raise your hand towards heaven and say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus and He died for me and rose again from the dead. Right now, I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, thank you for bearing with me. I know I tend to go long, but I got something to say. You know, now it says, Pastor, you really need to shorten. Well, they, they really need to shorten those football games, don't they? they? They need to make them 40 minutes long. But, you know, some people watch three, four hours. They will hold their bladder and jump up and down and shout and dance about in church. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. <laughs> you know, so... You know, they have more honor for the TV and the game than they do the house of God for God. So again, so you may seem long, but you find out scripturally, Jesus spoke for three days. Wow. Yeah. You learn to appreciate me more. <laughs> and Paul, I love this, is that Paul was long in preaching. See, I'm just like Paul, Apostle Paul. And he, he preached towards midnight. We don't know what time he started, probably about six hours. Then someone fell asleep and fell out of the window and died. It's dangerous falling asleep in the preaching word and dying. But Paul raised him up from the dead and he preached to morning. So Paul at least preached 12 hours. Wow. 
So I, I preached just under an hour or so. <laughs> well, we got it easy. This is drive-through sermon. Amen. <laughs> so, hey, hey, it is Family Sunday. And um, before we dismiss, a couple things. We, we have our kids, our VIK section, very important kids section. We have a gift for you. And also youth group, we have a gift for you. So uh, if you are in children's church, and if you are in the youth group, Come on down. We have the two reverends, Pastor uh, Scott and, and Reverend Katie. And so, to make sure you get the right one, these are what? These are, the bags are for Children's Church. Sure. Uh, oh, oh, I get to pass them out. I feel like Santa Claus right now. <laughs> hey, here you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Your reward for, for listening to me. Uh, is he youth? Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh. All right. They don't get any gifts? They can have two Okay. Uh, children's group? No, she's youth group. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. We got to do something. I feel bad that they don't get a gift. We got to do something more. I feel... I feel Guilty, right? Hey, 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 we have, um, we have a, a meal prepared downstairs. This is first Sunday. We, we partake, we break bread together, communion, but also we have a meal together. All of you, all of you are, are encouraged to come and, and uh, be with us. So let's pray over the food. Father, we call this food blessed. We call these people blessed as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. We certainly love you. Thank you for putting up with me. Let's get this job done. You're dismissed.